Well, we're in a series titled, Really Big God. How many people believe he's a really big God? Do you really believe that? Amen. When Pastor Tim told me about this topic, I was really excited. Because many times I get in trouble for preaching about how big God is. Because I'm just crazy enough to believe that he's a really big God. And I believe that a really big God wants to do some really big things with his children. Somebody say amen. And so today I want to speak on a topic, faith for great exploits. Faith for great exploits. I want you to say that with me. Faith for great exploits. Say it one more time real big. Faith for great exploits. Let's go to Daniel 11, verse 32. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let me read that again. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. We're living in a time right now where the enemy is deceiving a lot of people. There are people that are walking out of churches. Now, I love this incredible church, so many people in the building, but I want you to know this. This is rare, by the way. Statistics show that churches are declining in America. More and more people are leaving the church. Matter of fact, it's only, two, it's only 4% of millennials that claim to have any church association. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But then he says this, but the people who know their God, and I want to say it this way this morning, but the people who know that their God is really big, the people who understand that this God that we serve is a big God, he's in charge, he's the boss, he is sovereign. The people who know that their God is a really big God, they shall be strong And they shall do great exploits. Come on, I want you to know you're strong. No matter what you've been through, you are strong. Matter of fact, the challenges that you go through will only make you stronger and stronger and stronger. And Boston will never be the same again. North Attleboro will never be the same again because you're here. You are strong and you're going to do great exploits in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. I believe that Waters Church is here to do some great things. I believe that there's going to be greater light in our region because Waters Church is here. And Waters Church is you. But the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Now, our church is just about eight years old. We're a bunch of wild people. (laughs) We love Jesus. Amen. And uh, around this time last year, I felt the Lord impressing upon my heart for our church to go to four services on a Sunday. So I thought to myself, I need to find someone who has four services on a Sunday. And by the way, in a set up location, because we set everything up on a Sunday <laughs> and we break down. So I said, I need to find someone who has four services on a Sunday morning. And is in a set-up situation, set, set-up and breakdown situation. And I could not find anyone. Now, by the grace of God, I do know a lot of people. And in all my circles, I could not find a church. I could not find anyone in a mobile situation that has four services 
on a Sunday. So I thought to myself, we're not supposed to have four services because nobody does four services on a Sunday morning in a setup situation in New England. I thought, we're not supposed to do that. But as I continue to pray, I felt the Lord saying to me, I'm asking you to do this and pray about it, think about it, and I'm asking you to do this. And so I started wrestling with myself and I was talking myself out of this because I thought, I can't find anybody who's doing this. I wanted to find someone because I wanted them, number one, to teach me how to do four services on a Sunday morning in a setup and breakdown situation. I wanted to find someone to talk to because I really wanted them to confirm that what God was speaking to me was not anything crazy. It was real, but I could not find anyone. And as I continued to pray, I felt the Lord impressing upon my heart saying, son, in this season, I'm going to ask you to do some things that you may not find, find any reference anywhere of someone doing it. And it's as if he said to me, because I'm a really big God and I want to do some really big things with people who are willing to do some big things. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> and so I made a decision. I'm going to ask our elders and I'm sure they're going to say no and then I'm off the hook. When I went to the elders, they said, we should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> I thought, you're more crazy than this African guy. And so just a few months ago in the month of September, our church went to four services. God is doing a great work in New England, in Boston. Come on, right there in the city of Boston. Come on, if you're going to clap, do it well. Celebrate Jesus. Why? It's because a fearful and confused world needs a strong and faith-filled church. Let me say that again. A fearful and confused world needs a strong and faith-filled church. God's going to ask us to do some crazy things. I came to tell someone in this place, parents, God's going to ask you to do some crazy things, some wild things. People of God, God's going to ask you to do some wild things. Why? Because he's a really big God and he's looking for some people in the earth that he can partner with to do some really great things. And I came to sign up some volunteers this morning. Anybody ready to do some big things with God? Someone say amen. Now you're going to need some faith to do it. You're going to need faith for great exploits. So today I'm going to give you four points on how you can build faith for great exploits. Four points on what faith for great exploits does. Here's my first point. Faith for great exploits shapes the world around it. Faith for great exploits shapes the world around it. You know, there are two groups of people. There are people who are shaped by their surroundings and then there are people who shape their surroundings. <laughs> oh, let me say that again. There are people who are shaped by their surroundings. They become slaves of their surroundings. And then there are people who show up and they change everything around them. And that's what faith for great exploits does. Next time when you show up at your Thanksgiving dinner and everybody's sad and complaining, you better announce your, your, that you're in the building. Tell them, hey, I'm here this morning <laughs> and everything is changing now. Joy has come because I've walked in this place. Life has come because I've come into this place. You don't sit at that table and start complaining about what everybody's complaining. 
you don't sit at that table and start gossiping about people. You sit at that table and you release life. You sit at that table and you speak healing. You sit at that table and you tell them this family is going to do fine. The best days for our family are not behind us. The best days of our family are ahead of us. Come on, you speak life in that place. The world needs a people that know Jesus that are full of hope. And faith for great exploits shapes the world around it. I want to tell you about the story of Ezekiel. God brought Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones. Now, God does not bring you to the valley of dry bones so that you can become as dry as the bones. <laughs> See, God did not bring you into that neighborhood so that you can become as dry as that neighborhood. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. God did not bring you into that company so that you can complain like everybody does. God brought Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones because Ezekiel was God's number one choice for turning that valley into a place of life. I came to tell you that you're God's number one choice for turning your neighborhood into a place of life. In Jesus' name. There can be no shootings in the schools in your neighborhood because you are there and you're praying. Your company is not going to close because you're there. And then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy. Now, I want you to know that prophesying is not a bad thing. To prophesy is to simply speak life. I've been a pastor for a long time. And I'll tell you this, one of the greatest mistakes that people make is to always speak negativity. And then they're surprised when they get what they're speaking. <laughs> Why? Because there's power. The power of life and death is in your tongue. So whatever you're saying, you're manifesting and you're prophesying. So God said to Ezekiel, prophesy. I want to go to Ezekiel 37 verse 9 to 10. It says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe and breathe into the slain that they may live. Somebody say that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. You see, God has not asked us to vent. God has not called us to complain. God has commanded us to prophesy. Our responsibility is to speak life. It says, so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now, eight years ago, when we were beginning our church in Medford, by the way, I want to stop by here and just celebrate this church because Pastor Tim is just a wild man. He had not known me for a long time. He brought me here to preach, and then he said to me after preaching, Hey, we're going to cover your rent at that school. We're going to cover 50% of your rent in your first year of ministry. Somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody. Listen, and now we've seen over 4,000 people give their lives to Jesus, and you get to be part of it. You get to be part of it. But when I went to the Medford School District and started asking them, 
to allow us to use their school auditorium for church services, they told me that we don't do that here. Matter of fact, we've never had churches in the history of Medford. We just don't have churches in our schools. And I thought to myself, <laughs> he's a really big God, and he's about to do something that's never happened before. <laughs> How many people know we're history makers in Jesus' name? <laughs> so I began to talk to them and say, please allow us to use the school. And it took six months. At first they said yes. And then they said, I'm sorry, we can't do this. We just have never done this before. It's too political. It just can't happen. We began to pray. We began to talk to them. Long story short, God allowed us to get in that school. We've been in there for eight years. Not only is our church in the schools in Medford, God opened the door through us for other churches to also be in the schools in Medford. Somebody say amen. Why? Because God brings us to a place to shape that place, not to become slaves of that place. And now in the history of Medford, there are churches in Medford because we decided to step out in faith and do something that had never happened before in Jesus' name. That's faith for great exploits. You change your surroundings. You don't become a slave of your surroundings. Somebody say amen. That's why when Jesus was teaching them how to pray, he said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many people know there's no sickness in heaven? How many people know there's no poverty in heaven? How many people know there's no divorce in heaven? So when we pray and we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are bringing the perfection of heaven into the earth. We are shaping the earth. We're not becoming slaves of the earth. Somebody shout amen. So my question is this. What is it in your life that you've now become a slave to that God wants you to shape? What is it in your life that you've become a slave to that you're worrying about? that God wants you to rise above. Receive faith for great exploits today because we serve a really big God. And he has brought us into this earth to bring his kingdom into the earth and not to become like the world. Somebody say amen. Here's my second point. Faith for great exploits showcases the greatness of God. Faith for great exploits showcases the greatness of God. That's First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but ye are a chosen generation. I'm going to read the King James Version today. <laughs> After COVID, I started reading the King James Version. I stopped being cute. <laughs> but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It says, unholy nation. A peculiar people. We are peculiar. Watch this. That you should show forth the praises. That you should show forth. Do you know that for some people, you're the only Bible they're going to read? That you should show off. That you should show forth. Show forth the greatness of God. A really big God is looking for some people that he can show himself through. A really big God is looking for some people who are willing 
to show his goodness. It says that you may show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. God is looking for some people that he can show his greatness through. Certain people are going to look at you and believe that God's real because of the work he's done in your life. That story we just heard, that young lady who got baptized, what a story. Somebody shout hallelujah. When people look at her life, there are people in our life that say, I know God's real because of what he's done in our life. God is looking for some people who are willing to step out in some big faith. Because when people watch you and what God's doing in your life, they'll believe that he's real. Isaiah 8, 18 says it this way. It says, Behold, I am the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. I want to read the same verse in the NLV translation. It says, See, I and the children the Lord has given me are something special to see. Did you know that you are something special to see? That young lady and her testimony, that's something special to see. That's the hand of God. God wants to do some great things with you. So that people can see and say that's something special to see. A wonder in Israel from the Lord of all who lives in Mount Zion. Now, my Zenzo, my oldest boy, plays basketball. He's been playing basketball his whole life. Uh, now, he has a scholarship in, in, in high school for playing basketball. And it's a lot of work. It's six days of practicing and just so much. And he has a scholarship, and it's just amazing. But when he was seven years old, he had these sneakers that he really loved. But he didn't want to wear any other sneakers for playing basketball. So one day I said to him, son, these sneakers are really old. They literally have holes under them. I think it's time for you to wear some new sneakers. So I bought him some Jordan sneakers. But my Zenzo would say this to me, dad, I don't want to wear those. Because these sneakers make me play good. <laughs> when I wear these sneakers, I play good every time. So I don't want to wear the new ones. And so, by the way, I'm African. <laughs> And my wife is Italian and Irish-American. Somebody pray for me. <laughs> Thank God I still have both my kneecaps. But so, so once in a while we have two ways of parenting. Sometimes we have the African way of parenting. Sometimes we have the American way of parenting. So, so if it was the African way of parenting, I would have said, son, you're wearing these shoes. These are the shoes you have to wear. But my wife said, no, hon, if he wants to wear the bad shoes, let him wear the bad shoes. Don't force him. So I said, okay, cool. We'll, we'll do it the American way. That's cool. <laughs> but one day, I was standing by the side, by the court side, watching my son play. And I overheard two parents talking about my boy's shoes. <laughs> One of them said, my goodness, those shoes have seen better days. <laughs> I mean, my son was running and the, and the soles of the shoes were clapping like this. And one of the guys said, oh yeah, those shoes are clapping for help. <laughs> that was enough for me to hear. I kid you not, I left the basketball court, went home, just two minutes away. I got me the Jordan shoes. And I said, son... You're wearing these shoes. 
And he said, no, 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 these make me play. I said, no, no, the Africans have showed up now. You're wearing these shoes. <laughs> now, if I as an earthly father don't want to be misrepresented by bad shoes in my family, how much more does our heavenly father want us to represent him by doing great things in the earth? He's given us his name. And we represent him. So we have to stretch our faith because God is counting on us to showcase his greatness. God is counting on you to showcase his greatness in your family, to showcase his greatness in your career, to showcase his greatness by preaching the gospel to the lost. Faith for great exploits showcases the greatness of God. And I believe that's what's happening here at Waters Church. And you guys have such an incredible pastor. And he's a man of vision. Somebody say amen. He's going to ask you to do some crazy things. Because God has raised up Waters Church to do some great things. And because of this church here, we have our church in Medford, Impact Church. Because you supported us. Because you have a church that has vision. And now God is showcasing some great things and people are getting saved because of your sowing, because of your giving. Can you take a moment and celebrate every giver in the house? Every generous giver in the house. So I want you to write this down. The creator of the universe has entrusted us with the responsibility to showcase his goodness and greatness in the earth. The creator of the universe has entrusted us with the responsibility to showcase his goodness and greatness in the earth. What a privilege. A chosen generation, a holy nation belonging to God to showcase the praises of the one who has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. I want you to write this down. Things that are abnormal today will become normal tomorrow because of a faith-filled person. Things that are abnormal today will become normal tomorrow because of a faith-filled person. Now, just eight years ago, it was abnormal to have churches in schools in Medford. Now it's a normal thing. Why? Because of faith. That's the faith that God's giving you. Things that are considered abnormal in your family today will become normal tomorrow because of your faith. In Jesus' name. You can make a decision and say there will be no more divorces in this family. There'll be no more children out of wedlock in this family. There'll be no more premature death in this family. You can rise up in faith and begin to pray and claim that every child will be saved following Jesus. Somebody say amen. Here's my third point. Faith for great exploits sows seeds of legacy. Faith for great exploits sows seeds of legacy. I want us to go to Psalm 126, verse 5 to 6. Psalm 126, 
verse 5 to 6. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Let me say that again. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And then it says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing his harvest with him. It says, those who sow in tears, bless you, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Faith for great exploits sows seeds of legacy. Now, I want to teach you a little bit here about sowing. If you can just keep this scripture on the screen. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I'm going to say that two more times. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Can you see this? There's a connection between sowing and tears. There's a connection between sowing and pain. There's a connection between sowing and sacrifice. It says those who sow in tears. I want you to know this. There's a connection between sowing good, good seed and pain and tears. Now the challenge is this. We live in a generation that has a distorted view of pain. Pain is not always a bad thing. I would rather go through the tears and the pain of sowing seed than the pain and the tears of regret. Let me say that again. I'd rather cry the tears of sowing seed than cry the tears of regret. See, we live in a generation that despises pain and tears. And I want you to know this. We're going to go through pain and tears. That's just part of life. But I'd rather go through the pain and tears of sowing good seed than go through the pain and tears of regret. Now, faith for great exploits knows this, that we're going to cry some tears. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be sacrifice. And I came to encourage someone today who's going through pain. The holidays are coming up and there's anguish and there's pain. Maybe there's sickness in the family. Maybe you've gone through a death in the family. Maybe there's something that's going on with a child. Whatever situation that's bringing you tears. I want you to know this, that God is with you today. And that he's given you hope and the faith to continue to sow good seed even in the midst of the pain. Somebody say amen. So people with faith are willing to cry the tears of sowing good seed. Sowing good seed. It takes tears and pain to sow good seed. One day I was in a counseling session with my wife years ago. It was one of those Zoom counseling sessions. By the way, let me take a pause here and tell you that going to counseling is still spiritual. <laughs> oh, that's a word for somebody. Take your family back. Take your marriage back. It's okay to go to therapy in Jesus' name. Let me shout out all the Christian therapists in the house. And so my wife and I were in therapy. We had logged on from two separate devices on Zoom because we're in two separate locations. 
And then my wife had to log off because she had another meeting. This was one of those counseling sessions. Shane, I love Pastor Shane, by the way. What an incredible man of God and his wife. This was one of those counseling sessions where everybody was on my case. I, I was the one in trouble. I mean, I didn't do anything silly and crazy, but, but I was the one in trouble. So the therapist was on my case. My wife was on my case. And so she logs out. And then there was this awkward moment where I'm staring at the therapist. <laughs> he's staring at me, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm the fool here. And, and I'm staring at him. He's staring at me. I don't know what to say. He doesn't know what to say. And so I just lost it. I started laughing. <laughs> and I could see he's getting offended. And he says to me, Zenzo, why are you laughing? Is this funny to you? Is this a joke to you? Are you not taking this seriously? I say, sir, I deeply apologize. I'm taking this seriously. I'm, I'm laughing because, and then he interrupted me and said, so why are you laughing then? Talk to me. And I said, I'm laughing because I just got a revelation. <laughs> I just kept laughing. And he said, okay, tell me the revelation, pastor. <laughs> It's the first time he called me pastor. Tell me the revelation, pastor. And I say, to him, I say to him, it just dawned on me that my wife and I may not be where we want to be. But the fact that we keep showing up week after week and sowing seeds into our family, it just dawned on me that we've already won. We've already won. And I just came in this place to declare over someone, to celebrate someone. You haven't seen your harvest yet. But the fact that you keep showing up in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday means that you've already won. The fact that you've not given up on your spouse. The fact that you've not given up on that child. You're still praying for him. He doesn't have salvation yet, but you're still praying for him. I just came by Waters Church to celebrate someone who has not experienced their harvest yet, but you've not given up. You're still sowing seed. I came by here to celebrate you and tell you, you've already won the victory. Because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Let me talk to someone in this place that doesn't have their harvest and their miracle yet. You haven't Receive the healing yet. Still sick in the body. Still going through that challenge in your marriage, but you haven't walked away. You're still sowing seed. That's faith for great exploits. That is true faith. I came to encourage you here in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I want you to write this down. Sowing in tears always means reaping in joy. Sowing in tears always means reaping in joy. And faith for great exploits gives you the strength to sow in tears. I want you to also write this down. Small and consistent seeds, when repeated over time, can lead to significant and explosive results. Small and consistent seeds, when repeated over time, can lead to significant and explosive results. That's what faith for great exploits does. One seed at a time. And I'm here to tell you, the greatest, the greatest miracles are, are not always in the spectacular. They are in small yeses. They are in simple surrenders. One yes here, one yes there. 
Faith for great exploits. We do serve a really big God. But the faith that he's given us is sowing seed after seed after seed, even in tears. And the victory is going to come in Jesus' name. Let's go to the last point here. Faith for great exploits releases God's mission in the earth. Faith for great exploits releases God's mission in the earth. Romans 8 verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Do you know that Boston is crying, eagerly waiting for your revealing? Do you know that your family and your neighborhood is waiting for you to be revealed? Because you serve a big God. You have the answers and the solutions that the world needs. If you can just believe. You have the answers and the solutions that the world needs. That's why I'm so glad that you're faithful to this house, to a church like this that has faith, a church like this that has great vision. Because one of the missions of the enemy is to stop the mission of the church. When you come in here and you show up every Sunday, when you show up every Sunday and you give to the kingdom, you serve. Can I just give a big shout out to everybody that serves in the house? Come on, we need you to serve. We need you to serve. You know why we need you to serve? Because we need the church to be alive. See, there's a conspiracy of the enemy to stop the plans and the mission of the church. Can anybody in this building say, we need churches? The mission of the church is needed. And I'll tell you, when churches are not in position, people die without knowing Jesus. When churches are not in position, Families don't know about God. When churches are not in position, fathers and mothers are spiritually contaminated and they raise up a defiled generation. When churches are not in position, kids shoot each other in schools. When churches are not in position, young adults and single people are hopeless and purposeless. When churches are not in position, spouses live in strife and become unfaithful. When churches are not present, there's a rise in sin, crime, and lawlessness upon the land. When churches are not in position, there's a deep anxiety, and there's a rise of suicides and death upon the land. But God, who is a really big God, has placed us in a church like this to become builders. Why? Because when churches rise up, people are saved, healed, delivered, baptized, and discipled. Families are transformed by the power and the gospel of Jesus. Marriages are strong and spouses are faithful. Babies are dedicated unto the Lord. The youth are set on fire for Jesus. When churches are in position, singles find love and godly marriages in God's house. People are released into their prophetic destinies. When churches are present, family curses are broken and demonic spirits are expelled. When churches are present, people are covered and shielded from disasters and calamities. When churches are present, people are guided during life's most difficult seasons. Orphans are cared for. 
Homeless people are cared for. People receive a gift during Christmas time. Come on, somebody. When churches are present, single moms and dads are cared for. The elderly are loved and cared for. Parents are honored and the elderly are buried in honor. When churches are present, there's a flow of the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need churches. We need churches. Somebody shout hallelujah. We need churches. I want to end with this story. I heard Dr. Tony Evans share a story that was profound. You know, on 9-11, our world changed forever. A handful of young men with an evil intent devised a plan that changed our world forever. I'll tell you this, those young men had faith. They just had the wrong type of faith. They had evil faith, serving a false God. And they did something. They flew those planes into the Twin Towers and changed our world forever. A handful of men with an evil intent, but with faith, with a big faith, did something evil that changed our world forever. And Pastor Shane, I just came by here and I have a question. If a handful of people with an evil intent serving a false God changed our world forever, I'm wondering how can all of us in this place, what can all of us in this place, come on, serving a true God, what can we do if we come together believing and serving a big God, what can we do? We can change the world, we can do some big things for God, Boston will never be the same again. Florida will never be the same again. Rhode Island will never be the same again because we serve a really big God. We serve a really big God.